Welcome to the Mental Models season of my podcast, episode zero. This episode is going to be all about what mental models are, why they are valuable, and how anyone can start to build mental models for their own lives. I first got introduced to mental models thanks to Shane Parrish at Farnham Street, Trent Griffin at 25IQ, and a few of the other blogs I read. And Griffin does a really good job of explaining mental models by summarizing the quotes of Charlie Munger. The best example of this summary is Griffin's book, Charlie Munger, which there'll be a link to on the blog post that accompanies this podcast. But what Griffin does is he takes quotes from Munger and he sort of groups them around similar themes and then he explains these themes in a way that's easy to understand. And mental models are one of the things that Munger is really a big fan of and Griffin has done an excellent job of explaining. So what exactly is a mental model? A mental model is a framework or a theory that you can apply to many different situations and it'll help you understand a situation or answer a question or solve a problem. And as Charlie Munger writes, mental models are best when they come from a variety of disciplines and you have different ones you can apply for different situations. For example, Munger writes, quote, if the facts don't hang together on a lattice work of theory, you don't have them in a usable form, end quote. So what Munger is saying here is that either your model is wrong or your facts are wrong. And it's really helpful to have many different models because then you can reapply them. Facts are something that we can be a little more certain of. If we know the facts of a situation, it's the model that needs to be flexible rather than the other way around. Munger warns against this, quote, if you just have one or two that you're using, that is models, the nature of human psychology is such that you'll torture reality so that it fits your models, or at least you'll think it does, end quote. So Munger is telling us here to make sure we have a variety of models to use, to apply to a situation, much like we would have tools in a toolbox. Stephen King is also a fan of mental models, but he uses a different proxy for them, and that is a toolbox. In his book on writing, Stephen King uh, talks about a time when he helped his uncle replace a screen in the back of the house. And King writes that before he and his uncle went into the backyard to replace the screen, they loaded up this huge toolbox, and it was big, and it was heavy, and it was full of all kinds of stuff. And his uncle makes him carry it around back, and Stephen King is laboring under the process. But eventually he gets it back there, and they take the screen out, and they realize it's there's only a single screw that's a loose. So his uncle easily replaces this loose screw that uh, was causing the problems. And then they pack up the screwdriver back into the toolbox and then they take it back to the garage. And King goes on in to ask his uncle, he says, why did we bring all of these tools back here if we weren't going to use them? Like, 
why not just put a screwdriver in your pocket, come back, finish this thing quickly, and be on with it? And his uncle tells him that when you get to a problem, you never know what tool you're going to use. He could have gone back there and there could have been mice in the walls or glass could have been broken or any number of things could have happened that needed fixed. And he wanted to have all of the tools on hand. And in the same way, that's how mental models work for us, where we don't want to force the facts into the model that we have, like Munger warns us against. And we don't want to be stuck without the right tools, like King is expressing in his story about the time with his uncle. Now, even though Stephen King and Charlie Munger are both really active readers and thinkers and very successful in their different domains, the good news is that anyone can really develop these mental models. It's not that hard so long as you keep learning and you keep studying and you keep an open mind about the models. And the framework we're going to use for learning about mental models through this season of podcasts is going to be one that Scott Adams introduces in his book, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. And in that book, Adams introduces the moist robot theory. And Adams goes ahead and explains it like this, quote, Pay attention to the attitudes of people who have recently exercised. You'll discover they are almost always happy and upbeat. Now also, look at the attitudes of people who have recently eaten versus the people who are hungry. You'll see a big difference. Tired people are grumpy. Rested people are less so. Exercise, food, and sleep should be your first buttons to push if you're trying to elevate your attitude and raise your energy, end quote. So what Adams is expressing here is that Whenever we have an outcome that we desire or don't desire, there's little things we can do that will lead to that outcome more likely. It's sort of like if-then statements for life. And Adams's point is that life, while complicated, isn't that complicated. We're all moist robots in one sense or another. If you're tired, you should exercise, eat, or sleep. Those are really three things, and Adams is encouraging the readers of his book to find things like that, to think about how they can create more of a moist robot in their own lives to help them get better results. That's the framework we'll use to apply the mental models that I'm going to introduce. It's that whenever we come to a situation where something doesn't go the way we want, we don't understand it, we're confused, there's a tricky situation, I'm going to introduce certain models that you can try to apply to those situations. In my most recent book, 28 Lessons from Startups That Failed, I found that one common way startups failed was they spent too much money on marketing. They would pay for a booth at the Consumer Electronics Show, or they would pay for prime placement in a magazine, or they would host events that people either didn't come to or there wasn't a good return on investment for. And so marketing by spending more money was never a good idea in the failed startups that I looked at. And it was often a cause of regret by the founders when they were writing post-mortems on their experiences. So I wrote up a blog post about this and I shared it. And hours after I published this, a friend emailed me and said, thank you for writing that. I was about to spend $2,000 on a direct mail campaign, and instead I'm going to go ahead and spend a couple hundred dollars on flyers to start to give out. And if you have the model that you can't pay for marketing, 
that's going to save you a lot of time and money in many situations. Now, that model isn't always going to be perfect. Some people are going to succeed immensely at marketing. Some of the best YouTube videos I watch anymore are just pieces of marketing. Under Armour and Nike are both excellent at marketing their videos. Same with GoPro. But all of those brands are trying to convey a certain thing, something that startups often aren't trying to convey, something that my friend in his coffee shop wasn't trying to convey. And this is the value of mental models. If we apply the right mental model to the right situation, we will be more likely to get the right answer. The model that you can't pay for marketing if you're small and have limited resources is going to work a lot of the time for companies that are small or that are just starting out. That's a helpful mental model. Some of the mental models we'll talk about during this season will have grander applications, but I think they'll still be helpful. Hopefully what this series of podcasts will do is in a short 8 to 12 minute segment, you'll get to hear about a certain model and think about how you can apply it to your own life. If you do, certainly let me know on Twitter. I'm at Mike Dariano. Thanks for listening.